Good morning. How's everybody doing? Yep. There we go. My Matrix voice. You guys, we're going to uh, go ahead and kick off this morning uh, with a testimony. But before I do that, I just want to welcome all of you guys to an Ohana service. And it's so good to see everybody, all the house today. And, uh, <laughs> and just having a really good time. Seize the moment to be outside, right? Today's a beautiful day. Who wants to be inside on a beautiful day like this? Yeah, not me either. Uh, neither I. But anyway, we've got some difficulties with this, so I'm going to probably move to a mic. But yeah, we're going to go ahead and um, I just want to praise God just for a minute. I need to pray because pray it's just a little distracting. Here for a minute. So God, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you for a beautiful day together as Ohana. I thank you, God, that all of our family together here at H2O and guests are here today, God, to encounter you. We, we desire to seek you. So I pray that you're heard this morning. I pray that you're seen this morning. And um, no matter what, God, what goes on or what's heard, we want to encounter you. So we just welcome you in this place. And um, I thank you for Julia giving her testimony, from the testimony to the word, and especially in the praise as we sing to you, Lord. Let it be personal. Let it be a desire in our heart to seek you and encounter you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so you guys, we had this great weekend, our fall retreat this weekend, and it was lit. Yeah, that's right. There are multiple people here who are tired because they were either up super late on Friday night, and then we had a full day Saturday, or just a... Uh, I don't know. Did you guys get rest? you feel like you got rest or you need more rest? Who needs more rest? Okay, there we go. Yeah, I'm raising my hand on that too. I actually took a little detour with Nick and uh, it took us three hours to get home because we went up and had poly eyes up in Finley. And uh, yeah, praise God. Probably wasn't the wisest choice until I tasted that poly eyes and I was like, yes, this was totally wise. But um, yeah, it was a great weekend, and I can't really describe it from a student's perspective, but I'm going to bring Julie up here because she did uh, inc have a great weekend, and she's a student here, and Julia, let's bring it. Come on. Everybody give it up for Julia. Hi, guys. So like Josh said, my name is Julia. I'm a sophomore here at Wright State, and this was my first fall retreat, um, really ever, honestly. Um, so just a little bit of background with, of me before I get into fall retreat. Um, I joined H2O last year. Um, my faith has been very interesting. So starting actually Friday, I believe, I'll have been a Christian for a year. So woohoo for that. Um, but yeah, so I went into this weekend with, you know, just a lot of nerves, but I was also very excited. Um, I really wanted to see what God had in store for me. Um, something I've been really praying about lately is just how I can get involved in my community and just really sharing the word with, you know, either believers or non-believers and hoping that those non-believers, you know, come to Christ and everything. Um, but yeah, so this weekend, um, let's see, my drive there was really interesting. Shout out to Natalie and Allison. Um, and even just the drive there, guys, like that was such an like awesome moment. And we really just all bonded as sisters in Christ. Um, and even just the night that we got there, one of my favorite moments from this weekend was when we all went around the bonfire. Um, I know not everyone got a chance to do it. Um, but really just being able to sing worship together with, you know, just a guitar in our voices and the fire, like, roaring before you just was, like, honestly bone-chilling to me, guys. Like, um, and then, um, honestly, even, like, I was question like, I was challenged in my faith this weekend in a way that I never have been. Um, so, pre like, pastors like Josh and a bunch of others from different college campuses um, 
really just had questions for us to reflect on, and we were given an opportunity to reflect on those with our life groups. So in my eyes, it was nice because it gave me some accountability because I think a lot of times, you know, we get asked questions in a sermon, and we might write them down in our journal, or we might think about them, and then that's it. We never think about them again. And one of the things that really struck me was, have I said I do to the Lord yet? So I really encourage you guys to think about that in your lives. Um, it was something that I guess I've never really thought about until then. Um, and it really just stirred up a lot of emotions in me, guys. Um, and it was really nice to just bond with, with H2O, um, all the other campuses too. And they, there were even a lot of people from Wright State that were there that I've never spoken to before or that I just really got to bond in a deeper connection with. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I guess that's my little perspective. Yeah, you guys, check it out. I mean, we we have a couple getaways throughout the year, and uh, this is the one in the fall that we have, and um, it's just a great opportunity to get away. So if you didn't get to go this year, please put on your schedule for next year. It's an it's a time where you could say, Lord, I'm super busy, and trust me, your whole life you're going to be super busy. But it's a time to say, I'm super busy, but I want to get away with you. I could stop the world and get away with you. And it's going to prepare you for all of life. I talked with a couple people about that, but it was awesome competing against Toledo, um, OU, and BG there. And Rice State came in second place twice in a couple events and third place one time. So that was probably the coolest marshmallow toss competition I've ever seen with Caleb and Cam. Man, it was awesome. So... Yeah, we're looking forward to next year. In the springtime, we have something called Man Makers and Women's Retreat. It's that opportunity for all the men to get away just solo and all the women to get away. We get together with the other campuses and do the same thing. And so just put that on the forefront of your schedule, and it's an opportunity, again, to grow closer with God and with one another. Anyways, uh, we're going to go ahead and continue um, our series. So we're going through the book of Luke. And when I say series, I say that very... Um, loosely because we're just going through the book and there's no greater uh, way to study God or look at God. I mean, you could pull up like all kinds of preachers and pastors and go to the library or go to the bookstore and get all kinds of books on the Bible or commentaries, but there's nothing like just getting into the word. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to continue that. Our house churches have kicked off uh, Luke chapter one, two, and three. Everybody pretty much reads it throughout the week. Then we come together on Sunday in house church, and we just unpack what the Holy Spirit has taught us during that time. And it just becomes this rich time filled with God, filled with His Spirit, saying, Lord, you are the best teacher. And people bring some knowledge. People bring some revelation. People bring this presence and sense of love through the Word that moves people to action. And you can't help but do that when you hear God through His Word. And um, we're going to continue that, but let me again uh, pray and kick this up. We just need prayer this morning. My, my brain, I'm tired. Hallelujah. So God, I want to thank you for all of our first-time guests and our church family. Uh, we're thankful to be a church that can gather here at Wright State University on campus today to worship you, to be encouraged and strengthened together as one and in one, uh, in you, Jesus. Lord, we just ask that you would pour out your love on us this morning that you would guide us with your truth, and that you would empower us, Holy Spirit. And we ask that for H2O, but we also ask that for AIA and IFI and Crew and Chi Alpha and Christians on Campus and the Gospel Choir, Rock Campus Fellowship, the High Praise Dance Team, the Chinese Christian Fellowship, CMC Ratio Christi, and just all the Bible studies and new ministries on campus. We need you, Lord. We seek a movement on this campus. You 
Lord, you're just this opportunity to know freedom and love like never before. You've created us and you've called us into this relationship that will change lives. You are our answer. You are our hope. We pray this for our partner churches and surrounding churches in Dayton and really throughout the world, Lord, that you would use us to bring revival and see your kingdom come and your dream come true. Lord, we lift up our persecuted brothers and sisters today all over the world. Lord, we ask that you would comfort them and strengthen them as they share and live out the gospel because you're worthy. Lord, provide a place of peace for them and their families. Be with them today. We thank you for them. We thank you for your love, for your grace, and your mercy that's rescued us and called us into family. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Luke chapter 4. Let's talk about the author for a minute. Luke is, he's a physician. He's a doctor. He is a, a Gentile. So he's the only one, that, uh, Gentile, that wrote uh, something in the New Testament. And he wrote the book of Luke and uh, the book of Acts. And when they were first presented, it was one solid book. Luke and Acts were one uh, solid account. And he was hired by a good friend, uh, Theoph- Theophilus, Theophilus and, uh, who I don't know if he was a wealthy guy or whatnot, but he basically commissioned Luke to say, I need an account. Like, I'm hearing all these things about Jesus. I want an account of what actually happened. And you think about a doctor. I mean, this was not some just uneducated guy who wasn't used to studying and bringing in, you know, th- um, uh, just hard work to, to accomplish something, to study something. Anybody here in a nursing program or in the medical field, right? That's hard work, hard study. You guys got to do that. We have to write papers. All, anybody in school has to write a paper. Five-page papers and ten-page papers are nothing, all right, you get in your master's degree, right, Rebecca? And you're going to be writing something a whole lot longer than a five-page and ten-page paper. But welcome to medical school. It's hard. It's rough. And it was no easier or no harder than, than when it was back in the day for Luke to become a physician. So he's highly educated. He knew how to go about asking questions. He knew how to go about and say, did this really happen? And so it was within a 60-year time frame of Christ's death. And that's what I love about the, the New Testament, is ever, all the books that we have right here in the Bible was written within the lifetime of an eyewitness of someone who was with Jesus, encountered Jesus, something along those lines. Anything other than that, it's extra biblical. It's not going to count as the Word of God. But what we have here were letters and eyewitness accounts to Jesus here on earth. And Luke goes into super detail as though he's like, I need to make sure that what we're hearing, I need to confirm that. And we're reading this out and we're seeing super detail. And some of you may appreciate the detail that he's bringing into it, but he wants, to hold, he wants to test these facts. He wants to test these rumors. And whatever he hears, he's like, this is what happened. And I can testify. Luke was also a good friend of Paul. As we look through the book of Acts, it becomes clear that he probably traveled with Paul quite a bit on a lot of his journeys. He was a good friend of Paul. And so here this physician became on fire for God. And I love hearing, uh, I've heard a couple medical students come to Wright State, and when they leave, they're like, at first when I came to Wright State, I was here to get a degree and become a doctor and, you know, do, do the whole thing for money, for, for, 
girls, all this stuff. That was one testimony. But by the time he left Rice State, he's like, I've become a doctor to give God glory. I can't wait to go on mission trips and be used by God. I can't be, be, wait to be used by God right in the hospital that he calls me to. I just can't wait till God uses this gifting and this education to bring him glory. Have you made that transition that God wants to use your degree to bring him glory? What's that look like in computer engineering and science? What does that look like in communication? What does that look like in your degree, in your field, to bring God glory? Well, Luke found that opportunity, and he was used by God in mighty ways. And so we have some of the greatest books that we have right here in the New Testament because of our brother. So like I said, our house churches have already gone through chapters 1, 2, and 3, and we've read about the miracles surrounding Jesus' birth. Uh, then getting baptized as he enters into his three-year ministry. And, um, and it will literally, this three-year ministry will literally turn the world upside down. Nobody else in history within three years has completely turned the world upside down. No other name brings up more controversy. No other name uh, will stir things up. No other name will change lives. No other name will save you but Jesus Christ. And that's made clear here in the book of Luke as he records that Jesus is both fully human and fully God. And that's what his goal is to do, that he is our Savior by being so. So we, and, uh, we're in chapter 4 right now, and I'm going to go ahead and read chapter 4 because that's what we do. We love the Word. And so if you want to open up your Bibles, your phones, we're just going to read through this. So chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all, the all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point in the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all, these tempting, all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up and read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. It was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover the sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hallelujah. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. 
the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began, to say, he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. And Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what you have heard and what you did in Capernaum. And I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a, a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath and in the region of Sidon. Sidon, there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elijah the prophet, yet no one of them was cleansed by Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. All right. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. And they were amazed at his teaching because, the he, because his message had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. And he cried out at the top of his voice, Ha, oh, what do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed. And he said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power he gives orders to evil spirits, and they come out, and the news about him spread throughout that surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked, Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and began to wait on them. When the sun came, was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one of them, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God! But rebuked them all and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and they came to where he was, and they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God so other towns also, to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Wow, praise. Luke's chapters are super long, but super good. Hallelujah. I'm looking at Luke chapter 4. And one of the things I see in the very beginning is that the Spirit of God was ascended on Luke. Or I mean, ascended on Jesus in the previous chapter and now is guiding Jesus to where he needs to go. You see, Jesus is modeling something that we need the Spirit of God to guide us where we need to go. We can't do anything without him. 
And some things stand out in the beginning of this chapter. Why the wilderness? Why 40 days? Because when I think about it, if I asked each one of you, I give you three years on the campus of Wright State. Three years to make a difference, to bring the kingdom of God, to share God's love. Is spending the first month alone in solitude on that strategic list with God. Is that what you're going to think of first? Or is it going to be plan, do, plan, do, busy, go, busy, go. You see, our culture will reflect both our church culture here in the Western world and our just Western culture reflects plan, go. This busy, busy, this place of busyness. And there's this saying that busyness robs us of intimacy. It will rob you in your marriage. It will rob you of your time with your kids. It will rob you with your time and relationship with God. Busyness. So how did Jesus start his ministry? Time away. Fasting, becoming weak. For 40 days, he spends time with Abba Papa, not relying on comfort, not relying on strategizing everything and pulling people together right away, getting his 12, all that stuff. He goes away and gets away with his father. And for 40 days, he starves his, his flesh. And he learns to operate on just the word. Not by bread, but by the word. He learns to walk confidently that all he needs to accomplish what he is about to do is his relationship with the Father. This is what happens in the desert. It's time with God. He found his strength there. God will call us to impossible things, being part of his family, things that you can't do. The only way to walk this out is spending time with him. A lot of people think about Paul. Paul got knocked off his high horse and think he just went off preaching the gospel like he did. It was nine years Spending time with God, relearning the Bible before he was sent out to the Gentiles. What kind of time are you spending with God to accomplish the dreams and visions that he's placed on your heart? Second thing, temptation. Jesus was tempted. Why, why did he go out to be tempted by the devil? Why was, was this necessary? Yes, it's necessary. Because temptation is a part of human experience. And we see this all the way in Adam and Eve's time. And this is what Jesus was redeeming. The son of man, Adam, was tempted. The daughter of God was tempted, but not Jesus. That's why Jesus carries the title son of man. Adam also carries that title, but Jesus is the redeeming. Through one man, sin was brought into all of mankind here on earth. But through another man, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, there is salvation for all mankind. This is super important to realize that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to a place of temptation. Led him to a place of trials. Now God doesn't tempt us, but that doesn't mean he doesn't lead and guide us to places where we're tempted. All right, Because here's the thing, if we are in this relationship with God, with him, there, there's no temptation. There, well, there is a temptation. There's a way out of that temptation, and Jesus shows us that path. It's part of our experience. It's, it's a necessity, really, in walking out this and realizing that God forges character 
in that time of being tested. We see that with Israel in the desert. They are tested And what happens, character is forged, what needs to die off, dies off, and then what stays and retains and what's built on faith, hope, and love moves them forward. Same thing for the disciples after Jesus. They are constantly um, tempted and struggle and fail, but God uses those moments into redeeming moments that forge character. And God's going to use those moments where you're drawn into hard places to forge something special. It says he takes our stumbling blocks and turns them into stepping stones in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it says what was meant for our harm, he will use for good. Temptation is there because there is a real enemy out there that wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. And God said this is going to be a part of your experience, but it's not without purpose. I talk to too many people, and they just want to rush out of their times of their their they're, they're hard times. They want to rush through the, the struggles. They want to rush through these, these times that seem so overbearing. And I just want to get through this as soon as possible. I want to escape this. But really, when you think about it, what is God doing during this time? Are you trying to run from it and get through it as quick as possible? Or are you realizing God is creating something here? He's creating a dependency on him. He's creating an opportunity to meet him and know him in a unique place that supersedes your abilities, supersedes your comfort, supersedes really this, this nature of dealing with it with ourselves, and we learn who we are in him. Jesus modeled this for us. Jesus was perfect. Luke captures that in all of his book. He was a perfect man, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't tempted. Just because a bird flies over your head doesn't mean he needs to nest there. Temptations will come your way. It doesn't mean you need to camp out there. But if you know who you are in Christ, you can forear that. You can get in there. It's spiritual warfare 101, you guys. You could get in there and claim your truth. You could get in there and grab a brother or grab a sister of your girl and say, I need somebody to walk me through this because God is forging something. There's going to be victory over this moment. And it's not going to be just for my life, but it's going to be for the lives of those around me too. Because when I get through this, there's going to be a confidence How many of you guys have won something or gotten through something or maybe already gotten a degree out there or a promotion and that's something you wear proudly? Well, you're going to wear these victories proudly as you put on Christ and say, it is in him, it is by him, it is with him that I have life and life more abundant. Second thing, or third thing, entering into this place of the wilderness is where the battlefield uh, truly takes place. First. And you think, oh, Josh, the battlefield starts when we get out there in the trenches, when we're out there sharing Jesus, when we're out there just living life day to day. That is so hard. But that's not true. The root of your battlefield, of my battlefield, is in the mind and the heart first. Jesus goes there first to take dominion and expand the kingdom of God first. Think about that. He didn't go to the people yet. He wasn't out there doing all that. He went to the head and the heart first. This is unique. It is in the hearts and head, heads of men and women that the kingdom of God is established and rooted first. It is there that the enemy attacked first in the garden. Did God really say, really? That he, see, he's getting here. Because if it can get here, it gets here. 
Did God really say this? See, he's using God's word in this battlefield called the mind and the heart. And that's where Jesus went first. And it's funny, we just heard um, the, um, the in, uh, staff and interns, uh, we were, were going through this study, and it was really just an impactful, it's been an impactful study. And one thing that was highlighted was the fact that here we see Jesus with Satan, and you think this is going to be this epic battle, like battle royale. It's Satan against Jesus, right? We're going to see like Dragon Ball Z, I mean, ground shaking, breaking, you know, power up levels. We're going we're gonna to see this, you know, swords drawn. We're going to see this just crazy um, battle against Jesus and Satan. I love one of the things, analogies he gave. He's like, it's like, he's like, I almost picture it like a Pokemon bottle. Like, oh, here's the spirit of truth. Oh, here's wickedness. You know, boom, boom, all this stuff. What kind of battle does this look like? Does this look like? Is it two heavyweight contenders going at each other? No. The primary weapon used here in this battle was what? The word of God was the primary weapon of warfare here. The word of God. Same thing in the garden. Satan used God's word as a weapon of warfare. How is God manipulating scripture in your life? How is he telling you God says you're not enough? You make too many mistakes. You're not loved. You're not cared for. How is the enemy twisting scripture in your life to distance you from God? He's going to go after your head and your heart. And then guess what? It starts to manifest in this realm, the physical, the word was the weapon of warfare. And so Jesus went here to remind us all that it is this place, this ground, that the battle takes place and the victory is going to be won by knowing God's word. Here's something I need to tell you guys. That if you're not studying the word, if you've gone to church all your life, God bless you. God bless your parents, first of all. Praise God. But if you've gone to church all your life and someone is still spoon-feeding you from up here and you don't know the gospel, you can't share it to somebody yet, if you don't know the word, you're going to be taken out. It's so easy for God to give us the word, and he has. It's just readily available for everyone. But it's just as easy, if not easier, for the enemy to manipulate it if you don't know God's word. We have to know it, you guys. You have to go after it. We're in a love relationship. Do we want to hear God speak to us? And I love a lot of people are memorizing scripture. I'm all about memorizing scripture. Praise, memorize that scripture. But do you know the narrative in context? Do you know the stories? Do you know how Jesus moved through the lives of the individual? Because if you sit in these classes here and t- like, uh, I don't know, economics. Who loves economics? Econ 1. I only, oh, there you go, Colin. I know... Kurt back there, loved econ too. Yep. Oh, yeah. So anyways, you're in economics. Tell me what the teacher taught. Teach me. Teach me that class. It's going to be really hard, right? If you're just telling me information. But if I talk to you about what a friend told you last week, so say a friend went to fall retreat and told you all about it, and then sometime this week you're like, hey, check it out. Rebecca went to fall retreat, was totally rocking the right state flag during Olympics, all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm telling you a story because I witnessed it. 
And then if I tell you that, you guys can easily say, yeah, Rebecca was at fall retreat rocking the right state flag during the Olympics. You see, Jesus gave, God gave us the word in this story narrative because it's a whole lot easier to tell other people. It's a whole lot easier to, to connect with. It's this relational connection when he gives us a narrative. There's not that many letters in the Bible. When we see the, the overall arching, you know, word of God, it's, there's this story narrative. God wants you to know his word. He wants you to know him through this word. Do you know it yet? And if you haven't, then you need to shout out and give, call out God, provide an opportunity. You need to talk to one of us and be like, yo, I need to sign up for the well today. There's discipleship going on there. I need to know the basics of what I believe and why I believe it so I could share it to other people. Now, if you're a brand new Christian in the Lord, I want to encourage you, go after that. Study it with somebody. Get to the well, too. We'll teach you how to share the gospel. But I'm just saying, like, get into a place of discipleship. Start telling people what you know and what God's doing in your life in a narrative form. Know the stories of the Bible. I started off in Sunday school class when I was a little kid, felt bored stories. It was the best place to start knowing the word of God. Man, if I, if I could do an adult Sunday school, school class with felt board stories, I'd do it. Because I'm telling you, the majority of our church culture today in the Western world does not know the word of God. Can't tell me the difference between a story in the New Testament and Old Testament. I did youth ministry for oh, almost 15 years. And I would ask students who grew up all in church, and I'm like, name one book from the Old Testament. Or New, from the Old Testament. New Testament books came out. Some of them couldn't even tell me. It was said. How are you going to win this out if you don't even know God's voice through his word? This is where the battle is. Next, we see Jesus step out in from the wilderness and just flexing, right? He's confident. He's speaking with authority now because that's what our time with God does. It helps us see beyond the circumstances. We're going to come out and be like, I know my relationship. God, I know what you're going to do in the end. And I can now, I'm, if I stay close to you, whatever comes my way, as long as I'm with you, as long as I'm with your authority, as long as I'm empowered by your Holy Spirit, the impossible is going to be done. And Jesus steps out doing that exactly, that exact thing. Where does he go first? He goes home. Be prepared to be rejected by those closest to you. But here's the thing. Over the years, statistics have said that more people get saved from a family member sharing the gospel with them than anybody else. How many of your family members know Jesus? When was the last time you went home and said, man, God dropped this awesome word of knowledge like it just moved me on Sunday. I've got to share this with you. When, when was the last time you read something, your word, and shared it with your mom or your dad or your siblings, whether they know Jesus or not? This is a great place to start. Vivek, who spoke here at Fall Retreat, just shared a, 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 just a heartwarming experience. He's been sharing Jesus with his sister for years. And just recently, his sister said, please don't share the gospel with me anymore. Don't tell me I need Jesus in my circumstance. She's going through a rough time. And he's just thinking, this is hard. What do I tell her to encourage her? Where am I left? And he says, the thing that comforted me was my relationship and walk with God. I knew I wasn't alone. It's going to be that that comforts you. That's what comforted Jesus because Jesus makes it look easy in this small little narrative where he went home and he 
was like, they even started praising him for a minute. They're like, wow, this guy is awesome. This, he's amazing. Isn't he Joseph's son? You know, they started talking amongst themselves, all this stuff. But look what happened in the end. Not only did they want to reject him, but they straight up wanted to kill him. Thank God we're in a country where they won't kill you for knowing Jesus. But there are a lot of countries around the world where they will. Your family members will kill you for knowing Jesus. That's a reality that a lot of our brothers and sisters around the world face. So he goes out of his hometown. Next place he goes, he goes to this synagogue in this other place, right? Pretty close. And Jesus, he, he, he starts speaking in authority again, right? And in the synagogue, a demon-possessed man that's there starts shouting out who he is. Did you catch that? In the church, in the synagogue, a demon-possessed man was there. If you guys are coming to church and you're thinking, oh, this is filled with perfect people. Oh, this is a place where definitely, it, you know, the love of God is going to be shown here more than anywhere else. Well, it's true. But I'll tell you what, that doesn't get rid of. The, the love of God is shown more, here more than anywhere else because we get to see people's brokenness really come out more than anywhere else. As we work through our own brokenness, man, we just get real and vulnerable. And it's just not external. We start sharing with each other like, man, you've seen my external struggle. Let me be vulnerable and take you like to my internal struggle. And you might hear like while you're in house church, somebody shares something. You're like, dang, I, I would have never known that. I can't believe they do that. It's not a time to judge. It's a time to reflect and like, man, how am I broken? Am I willing to shed some light on this and let God speak to this? Am I willing to be vulnerable and go that broken? If you're judging God based on church, man, that's a harsh judgment to put on God. If people judge me by my kids in their whole life, wow, that, that, that'd be a, a really rough judgment call. You know what I'm saying? And as soon as you're looking for a perfect church, you're not going to find one. Nobody in there is perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We need God. When we think about the brokenness in the church, it is a safe place for broken people to come. It is a safe place for people seeking God and saying, you know what, this is how I really feel. This is what I'm really going through. What does Jesus say about that? Can the church be that place? Instead of a place that judges people for their struggles and their sins and, oh, this is an accepted sin, we accept this here, but we don't accept that. Can we accept people in the midst of their brokenness and say, Love and approval are two totally different things. God does not approve of our lifestyles, of our choices, of those things. He loves us, though, and says, hey, I'm going to show you a better way. I'm going to meet you right where you're at, but I'm not going to, I love you more than just to leave you at that place. I want to call you into something greater. Follow me. Follow me. straight up cast out a demon inside the church. Think about that. Satan operates everywhere. He's tempting people everywhere. You've got to know the word. You've got to be in relationship with God. Don't take my word for it. Test the scriptures. Get in there. Call me out. Be like, Ortega, you said this, you read this, and yo, I'm not reading that. I'm not seeing that. Talk with people. Like, Get in there and test the word. Because on that day when you see God, I can't stand there on your behalf and say, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he totally trusting everything I said. He should be good to go. There's going to be one person there mediating for you, and it's going to be Jesus. And he's going to say, yes, I have a relationship with that one, or I don't know that one. And lots of people are going to be singing the right songs, doing the right festivals. You know, like in the Old Testament with Isaiah, or we jump in the New Testament, Jesus even says people will be doing miracles on my name and doing all kinds of things in my name. But when they see me on that day, they're going to, he's going to say, depart from me. I, I don't know this person. We don't have a relationship. Do you have a relationship with God? This is not a religion. This is a relationship. Some takeaways today. I don't know where I am at with time, but here we go. Three take, no, four takeaways. First of all, time with God. How is your time with God? Jesus is modeling. That's the most important thing. And when you prioritize that, everything else falls into place. I guarantee you. There's only one thing that's going to last eternity more than anything else, and that's going to be your walk with God. Prioritize that. It will help you with all your other walks in life, your relationships with your, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids, even your relationship with wor- at work when you learn to prioritize time and fellowship with those that are worth their time and fellowship and, and time and, uh, you know, value and time alone with. Second takeaway, declare the good news. Jesus went straight out and started declaring good news. Who was the last, time, who was the last person you shared Jesus with? Let's declare the good news. Let's go out there. Let's be bold, whether it's with a family member, a roommate, a fellow class person. I hear from a lot of you guys, oh, Ortega, that was such a good message. Man, praise God, it's not my message, it's his message, but it can be your message that you declare, of his, his message that you're declaring as soon as you tell somebody about it. Go tell somebody, wow, I took these notes and this is what God spoke to me about. It doesn't have to be the whole message. Take something that God's speaking to you in the midst Grab a hold of that word with it and go tell somebody. You know, I love, I love getting in fellowship with people and talking, visiting, and we talk about all kinds of things. We'll talk about movies. We'll talk about sports. We'll talk about restaurants. We'll talk about family. We'll talk about all kinds of things. People will tell me wild things, date nights and party nights and all this stuff. And if people have the freedom and feel comfortable enough to share that with me, they've got to know about my life, too. And hopefully Jesus is impacting my life enough to at least tell people this is the biggest thing that's happened to me this week is Jesus spoke to me about this, right? It's good news, you guys. It will make, it will do something for better or for worse. Hallelujah. Number four, compassion to spend time and pray for the hurt people, hurt and lost people. Compassion. Jesus, we see at the end of this, path, this book, man, it really spoke to me. He touched every sick person. This is something you weren't even supposed to do back in the day. How many of you guys want to touch someone with the flu today or COVID, right? You know, like six feet, keep back, right? But Jesus went out there and he touched the people that nobody wanted to even touch, like lepers and, and stuff like that, people that were sick and ill, man. And that was supposed to be an unclean thing. Don't touch them during this time. But Jesus did. A hug is healing, you guys. And some of you might be like, oh, I don't like hugs. There's been enough people coming to H2O before who said, I don't like hugs. And within like a year and a half, they like a hug. All right? It just happens. It's because you don't know the value of a hug. Like, oh, I don't like to be touched. Well, let's redeem that, that experience. God wants to redeem that because he's a papa, and he likes to hug people through hug people. Okay. Um, yeah, but compassion. Last night, 
Uh, I was supposed to get back pretty early, and uh, I was wiped and tired and hungry, and I should have probably left my wife and, and kids from the camp and uh, got to bed early, but I didn't. I went out with Nick, uh, one of my brothers, and we went up to Finley after uh, fall retreat, and it was like a three-hour detour, and um, it was fantastic. I got home at 12, 10. I'm s- super late, super tired, all that stuff, but here's the thing. Compassion moved me. I wanted to spend time. My brother wanted to go with somebody. Nobody could go with him. And it's something as simple as riding with somebody. And I had a great time. We fellowshiped about so many things in that three hours. And then we're like, should we get the dinner to go or should we just eat here? I'm like, we're already here. Let's eat here. You know, like, let's go deeper. When was the last time you just pressed through tiredness to be with somebody or do something with someone that needed something? I love to see our community. Our community has stayed up late to have those hard conversations with people, to pray with people, to work through things with people because they see the value of what God is doing at that time and say, it's greater than my tiredness. It's greater than anything else I do. What I'm about to do right now will echo in eternity. See, your degree and stuff like that will only last for so long. It's important But can you see what you value your time with? And here's why God invites us into this place of following him and getting close and spending time with him. Because when we know we have to spend this kind of time with him, with people, we're not going to take our time to do things that don't matter in life. If I've got to study for a test the next day, I'm not going to binge watch a whole season, right? The night before. I'm going to prioritize what needs to be done. So when you're spending time with God and people, you're like, you know, I love watching shows and TVs. I'm a big, big movie fan. But instead of doing a lot of that stuff, I spend time with people because that's a little bit more important. Compassion. Are you moved to spend time with people, the broken, the lost? Do you see people walk by and like, that's a person that I just should say hello to. Sherry, God loves you. Amen. All right, so those are the, those are the takeaways. Um, we're going to do a declaration real quick. Uh, I would like to call up the band and, um, as we do this. So here's our thing. Our identity is in Christ. And so if Jesus claimed it, we're going to claim it, right? Everybody repeat after me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. Recover the sight to the blind. Set the oppressed free. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the year, you guys. Take it by force. Yeah, thanks for repeating that. Yeah, hallelujah. You guys, let's take this by forceful advance. It says the kingdom of God is taken by forceful advance. Every year can be the year of the Lord for somebody who comes into the family of God. Let us set the captives free. Let us preach good news to the poor. This is who you are in Christ. Go represent. God loves you. Have a blessed week. Be on mission.